Good morning. Uh, my name is Derek. I'm also one of the pastors here. Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to be in Romans 12. If you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. It's in the, the seat in front of you or under your own seat. Um, Romans, it's about here. Um, if you need to use the table of contents, that's totally okay. Um, that's in the front, and you can find it. A couple announcements first, though. Um, we want you to all know we have hired a family pastor. Yes. Uh, his name is Ben. His wife is Melissa. They have two kids. Um, the elders really thought he is a perfect fit. Um, and, and we thought at first this might be the, the next thing our team needs is somebody really to focus on families. And to be honest, all of us are family. So, uh, but somebody to help with discipleship and, and, uh, and kids and groups and all that stuff. There's kind of that one piece missing on our team. And, and this guy is, we, we think, going to be perfect. So we were calling him the unicorn Right? We had this list of, of gifts and abilities that we would have loved to, to be in one person, and then he had those and a couple others. Um, so we're looking forward to them coming. They're not coming until July, so you'll forget about it by the time they're here. Um, but we'll introduce you again closer. The other one is a couple weeks ago, if you remember, we did a test at the movie theater, uh, Ironwood Movie Theater in Minden, considering maybe doing a campus there. Well, we did that. We had about 25, 30 of you come and be part of it and give your feedback. And we kind of concluded after that, that's not for us at the moment. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's not a failure. We really are, are passionate. We want to see the kingdom grow in our communities. Um, and we're going to keep doing things like this. If maybe God wants us to do this and walk down the road and let him go, nope. Um, and so it's, it's not a no, it's, it's a not right now, it's a maybe later, um, but we're going to continue to look for, for ways to, maybe it's partner with other churches to help them reach their communities, uh, maybe it's planting, but we need pastors, maybe you've wondered, hey, should I be a church planter? If so, well, come, come talk to me, maybe you should be a church planter, maybe that's something for you. Um, so those are the things that we need, we're looking forward to, um, but we're excited for where God has us. So now to Romans. So there was, a, there was a math test given um, some years ago, and it was given to, to students, kids, in 10 different countries. Um, and the math test had, had two parts to it. One was competency, how good are you at math, right, whatever it was. And the second part was, how well did you think you did? So self-esteem. Korean students got first in competency. They were the best at math. But when they graded how well they thought they did, they got last. Out of the 10 countries, they, they rated themselves last of how well they actually thought they did. American students, they ranked themselves first in how good they thought they did. And they got last in actual competency. So both groups did not see themselves accurately, right? They, they both viewed themselves not quite accurately. At least the Korean students had some humility um, um, put in there. But that tells us something, right? We, we do live in a culture that's all about self-esteem. You know, it's a, I want to start asking that, how do you view yourself? Specifically in the church, right, among God's people, how do you view yourself? Do you think that you're, you know, pretty, pretty skilled, pretty gifted, pretty needed? Or do you uh, look at others and you're like, man, I'm just not nearly as good as them. You think you're not really useful. You're just kind of you know, here to take up space or whatever it is. Uh, how do you view yourself? Well, I'm going to give the main point away today. A lot of times I don't do this. I try and hide it throughout, so it's a mystery. Today, no mystery. Here's the point. You were made on purpose. God made you on purpose 
for a purpose. So you're not an accident. Well, a lot of you probably are. Um, <laughs> you know, I think all of my kids are accidents. But, um, but not in the sight of God, <laughs> right? <laughs> Inside of God, there are no accidents. Nobody's an accident. And maybe you've heard it said, you know, God don't make no junk. Um, so, so God made you the way he made you on purpose. But here's the second part, and for a purpose. And that's what we're going to see in these verses. We're made on purpose for a purpose. Uh, Romans 12, we only looked at two verses last week. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we saw a shift from the rest of the book. The book has been full of doctrine, theology, deep things we need to know. We're saved by faith alone, right? Uh, by God's grace alone. He's shown mercy to us because of Jesus on the cross. We all deserve judgment and hell, but we don't get it when he chooses us to be part of his family, when we place our faith in him, all these things and, and much more. Now we get to the so what part. So what does that mean to us? And last week, we looked at uh, kind of the dominoes of the Christian life. So we're saved by faith, not works. But here's something you need to know. We're saved unto works. We're not saved just to go, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, and now live however I want. We're actually saved, and then God wants to do some things through us. God has a plan to do some things in our lives and through our lives. And so that's the Christian life. We're saved unto works, again, not by works. And it starts, we saw kind of these are the dominoes, hopefully we'll see in our life, it starts with one thing, and that is giving ourselves fully to God, okay? Uh, let's read these verses just again to set the stage. They're, they're going to set the stage for the next two weeks. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what we're going to see this week and next week is the do not be conformed to the world. So there's some worldly molds that we're not to conform. Instead, we're to be transformed by the Holy Spirit through his word, and we're going to see some of those changes. And today, specifically, we're going to see what are those changes that we should see in our lives among God's people. And that's where we start, 12.3. So look at verse 3. Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. I love this verse. This verse, I, I don't remember when I found it, but I remember when I found this verse, it really just struck me of, yes, don't think more highly, but think accurately, right? So this is your first note. Humbly think rightly and realistically about yourself, which means it's okay to recognize the things you're good at. It's okay even to say, yeah, these are my strengths. And it's also good to recognize those areas that maybe aren't your strengths. You know, the world's mold, right? What's the world tell us? You're good, right? However you are, you're good. Be whatever you want. Define yourself. Um, I think there's a, a couple counties in California who said you can no longer give D's and F's because it makes people feel bad. Um, well, we, if we're getting D's and F's, we, we need to get D's and F's so we can get better, whatever. But we need to view ourselves accurately, right? Not a false pride, not a false humility, but realistically about ourselves because God, again, he made us on purpose, for a purpose. So are, are you 
whatever it is, are you gifted in something? And there's no pride in that. You know, it's interesting how, especially I think in high school, but even afterward, you know, you go through this and there's like, oh, there's the athletes, you know, how great they are. And they look down on others maybe, or, or super smart people, you know, the math prodigy. And, and we get proud of, of certain things about us that aren't up to us. You know, God made us that way. And so he gets the credit, whatever it is. So we think rightly about ourselves and give him the credit. But also, I mean, let's be honest, there are some people uniquely gifted. I remember this guy in high school, um, hated the guy. He was the best athlete. Like, ever since we were little kids, anything, he just did circles around me. Great athlete. I'm like, well, at least maybe I'm smarter than him. Nope. He was a genius, too. <laughs> right? Best athlete. Uh, also, you know, top of the class in grades. I'm like, yeah, well, he's probably a jerk then. And I'm a nice, now everybody loved him. So, you know, I mean, just one of those people, like, you're just good at everything. And that's okay. Right? Some people do have a lot of giftings, but to whom much is given, Much is expected. And so we all are given unique gifts in order to use in whatever God's way is for us to use them. And you see in verse 3 that God assigns the measure of faith. Again, this is basically just telling us God's the one that decides. You know, he makes you this way and you this way and somebody else this way. He decides that. And so, again, there's no pride in that, but there is responsibility in that. There's a stewardship with what he gives us. You know, stewardship, we often think about money uh, and stuff, and and that's part of it, but we're also stewards of who we are, our gifts, our our abilities, our talents, our time. So let's look at uh, four through eight. Four through eight. It says, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness." We see here, this is the context of what we're seeing, the body of Christ. So the body is every believer. Every person who has placed their faith in Jesus as Lord is then grafted into this this new body, the church, which has its expressions in different little bodies. So we are a church, small c, right? The the big C church is, is all the churches. So we live in a community with different churches, right? All different but hopefully, you know, biblical and following God and expressing that in different ways. And so God will lead us to be part of a body. And by the way, one isn't better than another, but people will fit maybe uniquely in one or the other, or their their gifting is needed in a certain one. I mean, there may be times, again, as we want to expand the kingdom, there may be a church out there that really needs a certain piece, and we have too many of those people. We might say, hey, who in this group that are gifted in this want to go there? Right? And use your gifting at that place. That, that's part of this, that we're all gifted as part of a body. You know, a body is, is a whole. There's a hand, right? There's, there's feet. Hopefully there's two hands. Um, you got eyes, ears. I mean, that piece, we're a family. We're going to see this as we carry it through. The church really is a family. And we're all a piece and a part of one another. And we're gifted differently. And that's what he's talking about here. When he talks about the grace, he's talking about spiritual gifts. And in verse 6... He says, by the grace given to us, again, that grace is this gifting, let us use them. And then he's going to go talk about some specific gifts. 
But here's the point. Use them. When you were saved, you were given a spiritual gift. And I'll be honest, I think often it aligns with something we were gifted in anyway, or or a talent or an ability, because God knew he was going to save you from the day you were born, and so even prepared you for that. Sometimes it's not. And I've seen this. Sometimes somebody is saved, and then boom, something changes in them. I'm kind of immediately, and they get good at something different, or they start getting involved in a church, and they're, man, I'm drawn in a way I've never been drawn before, and I'm being used in a way. Those are spiritual gifts. God gives us these things in order to use, meaning if you are a believer, you've placed your faith in Jesus as Lord, and you're not serving in some way what God is wanting to do, you have a gift that's just kind of getting dusty on the shelf, meaning the rest of us are, are missing out on whatever it is God wants to do through you. This is in your notes. Every believer is uniquely gifted in order to serve others in the church. Every believer is uniquely gifted. We talk about this a lot here. We even have a, a, on the wall a little, whatever that is, a poster, whatever. The church, cruise ship, or battleship. And we talk about that a lot because often the church can become a cruise ship. What do you do on a cruise ship, Right? You relax, you get a tan, you drink your margarita, you take a dip in the pool, you go, right? It's about you. You paid for it to be about you. A lot of times people will come to church with that same idea, right? What are the things that I get? Now, ideally, we should be getting a lot among the church community. Um, So there should be sense of, of expectations of one another. But there's a difference. A cruise ship is about me. A battleship is about the mission and everybody else. Uh, we have some folks in here who have been in the military, some who have served on battleships or on uh, aircraft carriers, and each person has a role, and if they don't do their role, well, they're out, <laughs> right? The, I mean, a ship is not going to function carrying out its mission without every person doing their role, and they know their roles. They're trained in their roles. We are more like a battleship, and we're a battleship with a mission, and so for us, that mission is so central. We have a tendency as the church, and I mean the church globally, everywhere. As a church goes on, you know, small c, as it gets older and older, there's a tendency to turn in. It's just a natural thing. There's a tendency to focus on one another, to want to exist, and forget the mission. So we've written it on the wall so that we won't forget it. And it's the Great Commission, right? The mission is the same for every biblical church out there. We've expressed it this way. It's over there. Connecting people to the abundant life, only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. God, some of the works he's made for us is that he will use us to reach people who don't know him yet and then bring them in and then teach them how to enjoy the abundant life abiding in him. So some of you, there's a lot that were baptized this last year, right? So you you didn't know Christ, now you do and you're in the process of growing and we're all in the process of growing and so we're feeding into each other, right? Helping each other get better abiding in Christ. Uh, get better enjoying him, and then we go bring others in. That's the mission. We should be making a difference in our community. We are here for those people, right? We're not here just to exist. We're here for God to use us uh, in the community, in the world. And so, I mean, here's our vision that we have. And this, honestly, is unique to Common Ground, that we are fueling a movement of God's people, surrendered to his mission wherever he places us. We say it that way. This is why we were looking, you know, should we plant a campus down in Minden? We have people coming from there. Is that where he wants to reach us? Two weeks ago, Paul taught on the idea that we're all sent. And we're all sent where we live, work, and play. And so we are mobilizing people to live, all of us, to live our faith wherever those places are. 
that we might reach people for Christ, bring them to this knowledge of God. You know, uh, there's an 80-20 rule. Maybe you've heard of it, right? Uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Um, and most pastors I've talked to with that, they, they agree, yeah, that's pretty normal. I'm pretty proud to say at Common Ground that's not the case. Uh, we're not 80-20. I don't know what we are. It's hard to measure, right? Um, but we're far above that. We're not 100% yet. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not 100% yet. Um, but we're doing pretty well, right? I'm, I'm excited seeing, again, many of you who were baptized this year already in served positions. Like, I'm finding life, and I want to help others. I want to contribute to what's happening here. That is right. Now, I put this note in here. I think this is helpful. You know, Paul is not merely calling believers to support and participate in the institution of the church, but in God's people and God's mission. Maybe you are one of these, uh, maybe you know people like, ah, I don't really like organized religion. And, and I agree. <laughs> I really do, again, because a lot of times the church can become about itself and just existing, right? Give here so we don't close the doors. That's, I'll, I'll be honest, there's sometimes a church needs to close its doors, they need to stop. They need to go join other churches and join the mission, right? But we get so attached to maybe something we've had, we just need to keep it going, even though it's way off track. And so in, we're talking about the mission and then God's people, not just a church, right? Hopefully, we will never get to a point where common ground, it's about common ground. You know, right? we just have to keep going. We need to grow and become about us. No, we really want to be about the kingdom. We are desperate to see all the churches grow, not us instead of others, all of them. We want, you know, we want to make a big dent in the lostness in our community. So again, it's not about a church being the thing. It's about serving within God's church, which means some of us are going to move. We're going to become part of another church. Some of us, even within town, God's going to call you to another church or call people. That is okay when that's done healthy. Not, you know, you're mad at somebody and so you're moving, right? When it's done in a healthy way, that's a good, good thing. So what is your role? You know, as we look at this, what is your role? What does God want to do through you for the benefit of the whole? Now, we're going to move on in Romans and see how this moves out, but the context of this is in. It's with fellow believers. It, at the Sunday gathering, group time, right? Other things we do as a church. What is your unique role? And as we saw in the first verse for today, think soberly, right? means think clearly. It's okay for you to go, you know, I'm good at certain things, and I could use these for the benefit of the whole. It's also good to recognize where you're not strong. You know, we are gifted differently. Personalities are different. Uh, we don't have uniformity, right, but, but unity. Maybe you've been in, in a, a church or a place where it's really about uniformity. We all need to look the same, dress the same, act the same, be the same. It's not about that. It, we're supposed to be different. We're, we're united on the key doctrines, right? We're united on Jesus, his death on the cross, his rising from the dead. We're united on a lot of those things, but then we're also different. Some are more different than others, but we're different. And we look at these, this gifting, you know, um, and I think God can change our gifting at times. I'll be honest. If there's a need and he calls you to fill that role, he'll give you the gifting you need to do that role. Sometimes we get pigeonholed of, oh, I'm just gifted in this, so that's all I do. Uh, in your seat in front of you, you have a, a spiritual gifts list. If you don't, it's because you don't. Uh, so 
look next to you <laughs> or, or in the one in front, and that's okay. Grab one of these, um, and this is not an exhaustive list. There's several lists we see in Scripture of spiritual gifts, and each list is a little different. And they were written to different churches, which means no church got the full list. I think that's unique. So I don't think, even when we put them all together, I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but it's helpful to get an idea, you know, what might I be good at? What might God have, give, have given to me to make me good at? You know, I'll be honest, I think me personally, my role within the church, I was a little bit slow on the uptake. Um, you know, we taught Sunday school. I mean, I've done lots of things in the church. Um, God just made me that way to figure, you know, what it is. But I was a little slow. I never had a desire or ambition to be a pastor. And those of you that know me are like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not a pastor. I'm a little rough around the edges. Um, you know, the, the model most people think of when they think pastor, I'm not any of that. And so for me, I, that wasn't kind of my thing. And, and through some people um, and through a strength finders test, actually, and may, mainly through Cali, uh, God really did adjust like, no, these things probably are your gifting, um, you know, one of those things I wrestled with, I can't, you know, be a church planter. I, I don't think I'm gifted in leadership. I think Callie even hit me. She's like, yes, are you stupid? <laughs> um, you know, she wasn't super gracious about that. That's not one of her gifts um, with me. <laughs> but, but like, no, you, this, this is your gifting. You know, I really wanted to be gifted in music. And she's like, I think you're tone deaf. Um, so your spouse is going to be really useful <laughs> in, in this to help you know where your gifting is. Um, and so, for, you know, for me, again, it took a little time where God brought some people and some opportunities in those of, no, this is what I want you to do. And so as soon as we knew it, we, we did it. You know, we quit our job and planted the church starting in our house. Um, but, but that's some of my role. My role is to, to preach, to lead, to try and catalyze movement of the kingdom. That, that's my role. My role is not to organize stuff. My role is not to cook for group events. Um, Early on when we started the church, I tried to do that, and I burned spaghetti. Um, so it was we just called it smoky spaghetti. It was disgusting. So it's good to know where your gifting is and, and isn't. We have the, the choir coming in a couple weeks, and I told Paul I'd love to do it if we get matching robes. He says, we're not doing that. Like, that would be so cool, though. Um, but we're not going to do that. So I probably won't be on the choir then. But what is your gifting? Now let's look a little bit at the list that are, is here. Again, it's not exhaustive, but the first one he begins with is prophecy. You know, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, here's something we get a chance to get some clarity on this one. Prophecy, for the most part, most of the time, is forthtelling what God wants his people to hear. That's prophecy. That's what prophecy was in the Old Testament. It's what it is now. That normally is going to take place in preaching and teaching. In reading God's word and saying, what, how does this apply to us now? What does God want us to do? It's almost never forth-telling the future. Sometimes it is. In the Old Testament, sometimes that was it, but rarely. And in the Old Testament, there was actually some stipulations given. If somebody foretells the future and they get it wrong, they're a false prophet. They get it wrong one time, they're a false prophet, and you should kill them. So, in the church now, in the American church, there's still movements of prophecy. Oh, God has told me this. This is going to happen. It happened. Trump is going to be elected. He was not. Whoever said that is a false prophet. Nobody should listen to that person ever again. It, right? If somebody says, Jesus is coming back at this date, and he doesn't, false prophet. In fact, if they even say it, false prophet, because the Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour. 
So somebody who claims to know when he's coming back, false prophet, don't listen to another word they say because they're liars, right? So, so if it's forthtelling, it's right and it's every time, and most of the time that's not how this works. Most of the time it's telling from God's word what he wants, right? What needs to happen. And then you see others serving, teaching, exhorting, teaching, the ability to, to see something maybe deep or, or complicated and make it simple and, and applicable. Exhortation, right? The person who hears that and then says, so what? And encourages others to obey. Maybe in your group, you have that person who just loves to get into the detail of the word. Well, that might be the gift of knowledge, right? They like to study. And then somebody else is like, yes, yeah, so what? What are we going to do with that? Well, that might be the gift of exhortation. And we need both. Right? We need to get deep into it, and then we need to apply it. If we're all the same, we just get deep, and then we all think we're so smart. Right? If we all just want to do, then we go do it ignorantly, not knowing what God's... So you see how we need all these pieces working together. Serving, the gift of helps that's in there. We need people making coffee. We need people getting the bullets. In, like All these pieces are needed. We need people who can organize stuff. You know, in your group, maybe somebody in your group sees a need in the community, oh, and their heart is for this, but they don't have administrative organization gifts, but somebody else in your group does. And maybe somebody else in your group has leadership gifts, and that comes together to go fill a need in the community and make a difference. You know, that's why we're members of one another. That's why we need one another. You know, maybe you have people in your group that uh, would rather not study. They just want to talk and hear the stories and then pray for those. There's gifts of mercy and compassion. You need people like that. And guess what? You realize how uh, we're going to rub one another? There's the person, oh, let's just go deep all the time. And then there's the person, let's just talk about our feelings and pray all the time. That's going to rub a little bit. <laughs> and so we need grace and realize we need one another. And that's okay. And so be different and work through that together. You see how it's going to take a lot of grace. We talk about it, the, the dance of the porcupine, right? Porcupines, it's cold, winter, they get in the hole together, and uh, they got the quill. So they poke each other, ah, scoot apart, get back together. That's life among the body is every now we're going to annoy each other. We're going to poke each other, and we need that, right? Now, whenever we talk about this, I, I share this example. Uh, you know, there's the body. The hands, you know what they're for. Eyes, you know what they're for. Then there's the appendix. And you don't know what it's for. We're not sure what it's for, but it's there. It seems like you can remove it, and things continue working the same. And so there are those, whenever I share this, that they're like, I think I'm the appendix, well, and it, here's, the, here's the truth. You're not, because actually I think the appendix does, does, does do something. Um, but we are to find what our role is. And my encouragement is this. Start somewhere and figure it out, right? Serve somewhere, and that's the way. You might serve with the kids and go, this is not for me. You might serve with the kids and go, I love this. Our youth group is going really well. It is going really well, which means we need more leaders, Right? Dave tells us all that we need more leaders. We need more men. And it's not as hard as you think. Right? You can make a big difference in a youth's life just by listening and caring about them. Texting every now and then. We need more leaders. There, we were grown as a church. We need more leaders. Do you have the gift of leadership? Maybe that's you. Tell your group leader. Fill it out on your card. Tell me we need to find out who these people are. Do you think you might be a church planter? I need to know that. And we need to get together and talk about maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Because we need to think soberly, and, and hopefully through it, you know, you might be corrected. No, that's definitely not for you. Um, or it definitely is, and let's build on these things, whatever it might be. If you don't know your role, start anywhere there is a need, and go from there. Start anywhere. 
You know, and there's, there's this list of gifting, right? There's a gift of mercy. We're all called to be merciful, even if we don't have the gift. Some are just better at it, right? There's a gift of giving. Some love to make money and give it away, right? We're all called to give. Some are uniquely gifted in that area. But whatever it is, as you see in these verses, we're supposed to do it, right, with cheerfulness, uh, with, with ambition, with excitement. We're supposed to be excited about what we're doing. If we're not fulfilling our role, we're depriving the church of something God wants to do. But then here's the other part. What is our heart while we serve? This is big. Uh, Preston talked to me this morning. He's one of our elders. And he said, have you ever noticed whenever the Bible talks about gifting, it's almost always followed by love? Absolutely. Because without love, even doing our gifting is a clanging symbol, as it says in 1 Corinthians. So how are we to do, how to do this? Uh, verse 9. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the heart that we're to have with one another, right? Love for one another. The word here is brotherly love. It's Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. We're to really actually have affection for one another. Even the different ones. Even the ones very gifted, different than us. There's a love. When we see one another, our heart beat. There's something about that, right? One of the gifts here, too, is hospitality. What about those who walk in the door that you don't know? You haven't met them yet. Part of this is we go find out. Hey, we haven't met yet. Maybe they're new. You know, you don't walk up. Hey, are you new? I've been here for six months. Oh, me too. We have, you know. But there's this hospitality. Uh, this is our home. I mean, really, this, together, this is our, our house. We share together. Hopefully, we have a sense that when, when people come in, we don't know. We want to be hospitable. Help them, you know, feel welcome. They came in here to meet Christ, whatever it is. And so we carry this out in love, meaning there's not a lot of clicks, right? This happens in church a lot, clicks, uh, and people have a hard time breaking into those clicks. Now, we do have groups, and we want those relationships and groups to go uniquely deep, right? But, but it's not uh, us and, and no more. Right? We want to include people in. And be hospitable. Look at verse 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Again, he says it. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. He's just peppering us with these commands of what to do with one another. Show hospitality. That word means have strangers in your home right? And maybe there are people you know and they're still strange. Have them in your home. Um, some of us are gifted in hospitality. Some of us aren't, right? Some of us are, are hosting groups who have the gift of hospitality. Some of us don't, but we're doing it anyway because it's a need. That's all wonderful. Maybe that's a gifting you have and you need to be using that. But God made you on purpose for a purpose, so serve others. That's the thrust of this whole message. Do it diligently, do it with love, fervently, meaning you should be ambitious for whatever it is. If it's making coffee, honestly, you should be ambitious that it's the best coffee it could be. When we first got a location for coming, one of the first things I really felt the need to do was get a good coffee machine because there's something about coming in to a new place and having a quality cup of coffee, and there's something comfortable about that, honestly, holding that while talking. So that's really important. It's more important than you might realize. Having a clean room, is really important. All these things, all these pieces are really, really important. And so we want to do them joyfully, right? Even the giving, it says in scripture, God loves a joyful giver. 
If you're not joyful in your giving, well, you're supposed to give anyway, but you might not have the gift of giving. But we're all called to give, but, but again, joyfully. You know, if it's with the kids, what a joy it is to serve those kids. What a headache it is to serve those kids. But we are to show up and joyfully bring, bring the word to them, right? Joyfully draw them along. Not, oh, I hate doing this. If you hate doing whatever it is you're doing, maybe you're doing the wrong thing, right? And find something else. Don't just stop, but find something else to do. What if, what if all of us fully carried out our gifting? I think God would make a huge difference in our community. That's where I go. If I think about, okay, what if, what if we had 300 people seeking out their gifting and going, I'm going to use it. The problem is we would have too many people good at too many things. That's a great problem to have. Because now we're going, okay, how do we use this serving the community? I think we would change our community. We're already involved in some great ways. But what if, what might God do if we all jumped in and got involved? Our leaders would be like, I have too many people. What am I going to do? It's like, well, let's get creative, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, uh, God's going to stir in us things that our community needs. So here's my, the question I kind of want to finish with. What stirs your heart? What stirs your heart? Um, in your bulletin, you have the sermon notes. You also have outpost group questions. Those are the questions we go through in group. If you're not in a group, let me encourage you, go through those questions. And if you go through those questions and you, you have questions, you need help, fill that out on your Connect card, right? P put it in the box. We want to help you find your role if you don't know. If you do know and you're not being used, we want to know that too. We're, we're in this together. So if, uh, if you want help, again, fill out your Connect card, put that in, and I encourage everybody, even if you're not in a group, do those outpost group questions uh, this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that your word is so clear that you've made us on purpose for a purpose. Uh, some of us struggle with self-doubt, uh, low self-esteem, and God, that's, that's not what you want for us because you, you love us. You see our treasure. Now, every human being is made in your image and is infinitely valuable. And God, every Christian is gifted and infinitely valuable and wants to be used by you. God, I, I pray that we would figure out what that is. There is there's probably nothing that brings more joy than serving you where it just gels. Um, and so God, I, I wish that. I pray that for everyone in this room and everyone watching online, that you would show us what that is. God, I also ask for that last part, that our hearts would be of love. Love for one another, love for those who are not here yet. Stir in us genuine compassion, genuine mercy, genuine feelings of affection for one another. Jesus, you told your disciples that uh, they will know you are my disciples by their love for one another. Without love, this is all kind of a waste. So God, stir in us hearts of love in response to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we respond, we're going to close with a